Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Harry and Lloyd. We're really doing it, aren't we, buddy? Let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is sponsored by J.T. Marlin. Buying happiness for over 17 years. Call today and ask about the new med patent investment opportunity. J.T. Marlin, financial security is just a phone call away. How's it going, everyone? I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is The Pestle, where we like to talk movies and get a little bit technical. That's my takeaway. And I just like to say whether I like it or not, basically. <laughs> You're a simple man with simple needs. That's it. I like my bologna plain on white bread. That's true. You did that mess last <laughs> I did. week. I did. It was delicious. Who's Fantastic. that laughing? <laughs> we have a guest with us today. <laughs> oh, yes. That spicy bologna. <laughs> Uh, to to my left here is uh, the fabulous, famous, and enthralling Joe Parsons. Uh, he's the co-founder of Master Pancake here in Austin and around the country. He's a comedian, musician, father, and a very good and dear friend. Gosh, that's, yes. that's yes. not my intro. That belongs to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all for you, buddy. How's it going, guys? Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Thrilled to be here. Dude, yeah. super excited you're here. Dude, I, yeah. You bet. We, we, had, just, we just had a big argument about uh, uh, a w- previous week uh, mm-hmm. that I wish we would have had you on when we were talking about I Whiplash. mean, this is what I try to convince people uh, of all the time. I know, I know. You just need to have me as a guest. Okay. We'll awesome. have a guest spot, a little grind my gears segment. The ne- yes. how, about, <laughs> how about the next movie that makes you mad? You call us up and say, we're doing this one, and we'll oh, see if man. we argue. Anything right. by Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. That's... What happened to that guy? Is he around still? Oh, he's still oh, making dude, movies. Yeah. He's still making movies, yeah. He's still making God. beautiful movies that mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so every episode, we like to give a spoiler warning. Today, we are discussing Clue 1985. So we're going so... way, way back. So if you haven't seen it, you're probably <laughs> not 20 years old yet. Spoiler, spoiler do alerts do not apply to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about exposition, uh, the comedy style of Clue. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to talk maybe a little bit of camera work, but mostly probably going to talk about what Joe loves about this thing. This was his idea. That's right. So yes. we're really excited. Yes. To, it's a farce. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to say, I was a little surprised. Um, when because I know you're such a movie buff. Obviously, you've watched so many movies and mm-hmm. probably a lot of crappy ones. Um, I, I watched know. a lot more movies before I had kids. Yeah, <laughs> they ruined yes, everything. Uh, yeah, I as well. Um, uh, so when when I, we asked, we wanted to ask you what you wanted to do this on, and you said Clue, I was like. I sent them. I sent it to Wes, <laughs> and I said, I said, "This is what he wants to do," and he was like, "Okay, yeah. <laughs> like I guess this is what we're doing." Okay, uh, and we but we sat down and watched it, and uh, you know, well, let's just get. I'll, I'll just give you a synopsis of it real fast. We'll just go into it. Okay, all right. So, Clue. It's modeled after the classic board game Clue, mm-hmm. uh, or Cluedo it, if you're from Britain. <laughs> is it really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Learn something new. Uh, where six guests are invited to a strange house and must cooperate with the staff to solve a murder mystery. It's directed and written by Jonathan Lynn, mm-hmm. starring Tim Curry as Wadsworth the butler, who's excellent in this yep. film. Eileen Brennan as Miss, Pe- Miss Peacock. Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum. And Michael McKean and Madeline Kahn. And Robert... Yeah. Uh, 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 Martin Mull... 
Mm-hmm. Jane Wideland's in this movie. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Everyone. Everybody's a, yeah, in this movie. Every every time a new character is introduced, I was like, oh man, yeah, it's uh, it's Doc. Doc's yeah. in this film. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're gonna play a soundbite. Well, to be perfectly frank, I run a specialized hotel and a telephone service which provide gentlemen with the company of a young lady for a short while. Oh yeah. What's the phone number? So how did you know Colonel Mustard works in Washington? Is he one of your clients? Certainly not. I was asking Miss Scarlett. Well, you tell him it's not true. It's not true. Is that true? No, it's not true. Ha-ha! So it is true. A double negative. Double negative? You mean you have photographs? That sounds like a confession to me. In fact, the double negative has led to proof positive. I'm afraid you gave yourself away. Are you trying to make me look stupid in front of the other guests? Don't need any help from me, sir. That's right. <laughs> so good how many, Crackling dialogue How many times do you think you've seen this movie? I've probably seen it well over a hundred times What? I've seen this movie over and over and over again It Seriously? never ceases to delight me Wow It's awesome. great Awesome What do you love about it? Yeah, right, I mean, yeah. like, let's, well, let's dive I, right in I mean, So here's the thing It's a farce Which is uh, I mean that's a style of theater it's a style of storytelling that's not often done on film because it's hard to do it's hard to capture that kind of frantic pace um it's kind of hard to like do that with uh you know people running around and slamming doors while it's still being funny and and uh it's just kind of hard it's rare to see it done well on film uh this movie is perfect it's a perfect movie (laughs) I know that's a very it's a lofty title for such a dumb movie but um yeah it really is I feel like it's uh the dialogue like you heard it's like it's very well written it's just I don't know um it's a sharp-witted movie it has a kind of a frantic pace but it it never crosses for a movie about murder and dead bodies and stuff like that it's still fun um you know without ever getting too heavy but it's still uh, it's great. It's perfectly paced. It's perfectly balanced. It's incredibly acted. Uh, it's got a mm. great cast, and um, it's got one of the best endings to a movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Your first yeah. time watching it? Yeah. The uh, other day. Yeah. Actually, I got halfway through it, and I realized, remember, I realized That's this right. is not my first time seeing this movie. Uh, I thought it was for half of it. And then, uh, and then realized, wait a minute, no, I have seen this, but it was, I think it was like 15 years ago, 20 years ago or something. Um, so yeah, my, my first time watching it at first, you know, I sent you a text and I was like, we're a, Joe, I sent you a text <laughs> and I said, we're about to watch clue. And I don't know whether or not I'm going to hate you after this. Um, <laughs> but I got to say the, you know, the introduction of Tim Curry in the, in the movie was really good. He's, he makes the film. I mean, yeah. like. I, I've seen him in a lot of stuff and he's always solid, but I feel like this movie was like, Oh man, this guy, he's, he's awesome in this movie, especially at the end when he's acting everything out and like going through this happened and then this happened and, and, and everything. And we'll talk about the camera work in that scene, uh, uh later, but I, I was actually entertained the entire time. Which I didn't think that's, that I would be. I, I thought a very I, mild I really, compliment. <laughs> I was actually entertained. Well, no, I, I, I have you know confession to make. Like I'm not the craziest about '80s movies. 
Okay. As a decade? No. Yeah. How can you hate everything from a decade? I'm not saying I don't like them. I'm just saying I don't go back and say, hey, I got to watch that. I got to watch Breakfast Club this week. Man, it's just, you know, like I'm not, it's not not something I dive in. Empire Strikes Back or Back to the Future. Okay, maybe those two. All right. All right. Okay, you got a couple. You got a couple. But I'm just saying, like, for the most part, I don't really, like, dive into the older stuff like this. So it was really refreshing to actually, you know, you made the suggestion. I was wary about it. And then I started watching it and thought, hey, this is, this is cool. This is a good use of a, of a couple hours in the evening, you know, on a, on a Sunday night or whatever. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I laughed out loud several times, which I really don't laugh out loud at movies very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I laughed out loud a lot. That's always my mark for uh, a successful uh, TV show. Yeah. So anytime I'm absolutely. watching a TV show, if it can actually make me laugh out loud, I'll give it a shot. Right. Like I'll right. I'll give it another shot or I'll watch it. Yeah. Because uh, it's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to just sit there and just stare at a <laughs> stare at a movie. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I think what this movie accomplishes that that to me makes it stand out is that it's it's really difficult to make uh, a very to make a comedy this. Uh, balanced or or to you know comedy is an art form that doesn't really lend itself to uh, a lot of nuance or uh, you know a lot of really it's either funny or it's not yeah timing or that kind of thing or it's just it's easy to forgive a lot of other glaring errors if something is funny um it's true but comedy is really I've, i've always felt like as a as a film genre and television it's really difficult to do well it's easy to do it like have something be funny, but to write a script like this that is so consistently funny and that has this kind of pace and that is that has to include so many characters and so many different plot threads and you know it's there it's a very complex it's a really really complicated script yeah but it man I just feel absolutely like it what pops. struck me was that the writing is so good it sings off the page mm-hmm. and so. And it's this blend of dry and physical comedy. And I feel like I don't really see that combination all that often. And they wrote it so well that I think you could have brought in almost any actors and gotten a lot of laughs. But because they brought in the actors they did, all that physical comedy suddenly is just outrageous. And Tim Curry, like you said, in that final scene, he's running around the house reenacting everything. And he is selling out. He is not withholding anything whenever he's... Uh, in the study room and he's jumping behind mm-hmm. <laughs> behind her and he's just going all out. I mean, it, you don't have to do all that to be a physical comedy. Right. But he just completely threw himself into it and at no moment was he holding back anything. Um, he went for it and you do it with a dry face. It's not, in, you're not indicating, right? You're not, you're not giving up that this is a joke. This is all real to these people. Mm-hmm. These, this is all something that they're taking very seriously. This isn't a lighthearted thing to them. And it's the audience that finds it funny. And it becomes that much funnier when nobody's laughing at the jokes inside the comedy. And so you have this blend and they're executing. Yeah, the performances are outstanding. And I mean, just to put into context, like this movie had to have been greenlit just as a favor to somebody. That's what it feels like. Like, I mean, how would they have even made this movie? These guys are like the 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 Phil Miller and Chris Lord of the the you know the eighties, where it's like it's the uh, it's the Lego movie of of nineteen eighty five, where they were like, here's this, uh, good luck. 
We have this. Yeah. We have the rights yeah. to clue the game. <laughs> yeah. Go make a movie, and they're like, "Good God, man! Do you want this to actually make any money? Or are you just trying to like exercise the I rights? Wonder, did like, it, did it make any money? Oh I yeah, wonder. it did great. Yeah, okay. Um, but here's the thing: they, they, that movie, this movie, just like the Lego movie, has no business being as good as it is. It's like not even fair that the movie is that good. Like they took a turd of a property and they took a B C-list cast cuz in 85 none of those people were anybody. Like uh, Martin Mull was kind of an a has been from 70s TV. I think Tim Curry was having kind of a breakout year that year. That was around legend time, right? Yeah, but he was, you know, it, in those days playing a villain wasn't wasn't uh, a popular sure, thing to do. Especially one where you're under eight pounds yeah. of makeup, um, you know he'd done Rocky Horror. Like he really mm-hmm. hadn't done anything that was uh, you know, a starring role. That's yeah. for sure, but definitely not uh, accessible. I mean, those were arguably the two biggest stars of that movie. Um, Michael McKean had been in a bunch of stuff, but not really anything that anybody would have known. Like I think at that point he had done Spinal Tap and like maybe one other thing. Um, but they took this, this you know, a bunch of B-list celebrities, and they put them in an ensemble cast, which also was unpopular in those days. And they made a movie about a board game, and it was great. And it yeah. was great. And what made it great too is that they didn't just throw away the concept of the board game; they wove it directly mm-hmm. into the story because the entire movie is about exposition, right? Who's whom? What do they want? You know, you're trying to figure out their motives, and so everything that they're they're watching each other, right? At the dinner table, everyone's trying to read each other. They're manipulating their answers to avoid uh, telling these lies through technicality, mm-hmm. right? They're just constantly playing the game so that they never have to show their cards. Um, and, and so it takes something that's usually very tedious, right? Exposition is a very tedious thing and something that I would venture to say 80% of movies do terribly. Yeah, They that's do right. it in very obvious and direct ways and... For avid movie fans like us, we're just rolling our eyes. We're like, oh, God, okay, so this is where you tell us that, you know, your your last boyfriend was a bad guy and, you know, you're looking for something new and fresh or whatever. Ooh, I, I want that movie. <laughs> hubba, hubba. Um, and so they, yeah. they do a, such an amazing job of hiding in plain sight all these comments that are actually clues that they resurface later on through uh, witty dialogue, even something that we heard, you know, as the uh, the soundbite earlier was all indicative, and as that scene plays on, you even hear the Miss Scarlet laugh. Right, she starts laughing at something Mrs. White said because she realizes she pieces together immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh, your husband is dead. That's why you said that he was he lo- works on his back, mm. and so they yeah, constantly he lies on his back all day. <laughs> he yeah. lies on his back all day. That's what he does for <laughs> for a living. And then not only that, but one of the things Todd and I talked about last night was every game of Clue that you've played, you have someone that says, I have all the answers. Yes. And they give their answers and they get to look inside the, the card mm-hmm. in the middle and they're wrong. And so I love that this movie included these false endings yeah. as a maneuver, right? You're just calling back to the game of Clue and the experience of, oh man, all these things work, yet you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, it. I guess it's fair to say this is, it did not invent this type of movie. This is a very popular format mm-hmm. for 
movies from like the 30s and 40s. Sure. Where they would have a whodunit, or they would have like a, a you know a, a slapstick screwball comedy, that kind of thing. Death on a Train kind of stuff. Right, and it completely fell out of fashion. And so this movie being not only set in that era, but also you know having that same tone. And I mean, I just, every time I watch the movie, there's something new to discover. And there's some sort of new little nuance about somebody's performance that there is to appreciate. Like, and how great Madeline Kahn is. And My how, God. She's so good. I wanted to pull, I'm going to play one clip here, but I okay. wanted to pull like half of these, half of it's stuff that is just on her face. She is constantly like, throughout the movie. Like flames? On the sides of her face? <laughs> you were jealous that your husband was stripping her. That, that's why you killed him too. Yes. Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much it it the it flame flames flames on the side of my face breathing breath heaving breaths heaving but while we were in the billiard room (laughs) they they just move on (laughs) and they do that constantly right mrs peacock has her moment at the table and they sync up all these shots and that's what's kind of cool too is that it's written in, I, I would assume, that they're writing in these looks that everyone is giving her at the dinner table. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Right, that's true. These but, are... I mean, the, the performances, I, I mean, they, that's clearly an improvisation. And there's, there's a lot of those types of reactions and, and kind of ad-libs that they throw in there. I mean, you can tell, I, I, to me at least, it's clear when it's the times where it is scripted and the times where it's not. You know, when they go into some very yeah, carefully, right. you know, witty banter about Whatever, you know, that's clearly one. But then they give Madeline Kahn some room to just get in there and be like, I hated her so much. Flames. So good. And I love, there's another moment. I mean, half her, literally half her performance is just silently judging everyone around her. Mm -hmm. And there's this one moment where a guy comes up to her and he's really upset at the performance that Tim Curry is doing right now, right? He's going and scaring everybody. He keeps cutting off the lights and every time earlier, like the lights go out, someone dies and you don't want to be you. <laughs> and so he runs over to Mrs. White. He's like, this is really upsetting me or whatever. And she just makes this weird noise. Yeah. And looks at him and it's so, <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. It's just such it's a brilliant so reaction. It's one of those movies that gets better every time you watch it. And like, I'll have to watch it again. Oh, now. it's so good, and it's got such a good ending. But uh, you know, yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah. I also, so early on at the uh, after the dinner scene, someone makes a comment that she had friends who were socialists, and Mrs. Peacock starts guffawing. Right? She's yeah. like, "Oh my word!" And and you have this wide shot. And her reaction becomes so funny to me because nobody else is reacting. Yeah. <laughs> She's the only yeah. one. She's so put out by the yeah. idea of socialists. She's like, oh, well, I would never be. They just let her machine. run out of gas and then they move on. It's so good. <laughs> That's, and I love that. That's one of the other things that makes the comedy so good is that you have this dinner attire, right? Everyone's dressed up. These are all not necessarily all high society people, but they're playing high society this evening and they're all trying to impress everyone and they don't want anyone to know that they have dirt and they're bad people. Mm -hmm. And so you have this atmosphere, this beautiful fancy house, and then you have scurrying (laughs) from Mm -hmm. room to room. And that is just that energy and that, that just creates such a, 
perfect environment for contrast. And it's out of that contrast that so much comedy comes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the, the pacing of all the lines and, and the delivery of everything. Like for it's just sure. Pop, 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 pop. It's quick and it speeds up as the movie goes. Yeah. I feel like it's a treadmill that's set from zero to 50 and then you don't realize it. It's a very fast treadmill. It's a very fast. That's, that's what you do. That's yeah. <laughs> and you don't know when the next ramp is coming. Yeah. It just suddenly kicks in and off you go. And I just love that. I love yeah. the ability, I guess, to write it in. And I think you're right. I mean, I haven't done any research as far as who's improving and what's, what's on the, on the spot, but it takes a great deal of trust in your actors because they had such a, an amazing script to be willing to throw some of these moments away in favor of letting your actors run wild. Mm-hmm. Todd, why did you hate this movie? <laughs> I didn't hate this movie. <laughs> How long have you, have you always hated this I, movie? I, always for, since the moment that I knew it existed. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like the movie. I, I think it's, it's great. Like not love. Well, I need to watch it another five times, right? Tell you what clue. Great movie. Why is there not greatest a se- movie? Why is there not a sequel? I mean, if it was really that good, why didn't they get Michael Bay to do the next one? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was was gonna, I was gonna mention we were like, sorry to get off off topic, but maybe Jonathan Lynn could could uh, do the next Transformers to save the the series. There's no saving. No, I know. No, it's Uh, six feet deep. Yeah, pretty much. And so as the movie keeps progressing, I mean, they do so many, so many amazing things. The framing and composition, especially early on as you're getting to know the characters, you go from these really wide shots, and then it starts narrowing down. And the more it narrows down, the more they're cramming people into the frames. And it creates this extra frenetic energy mm-hmm. about, about the comedy. And now where you have this medium shot with like five people in it, it looks like the guy in the back suddenly is swimming and crowding to to confront, you know, the guy at the, the right side of the screen. So you have this dramatic movement. It's <laughs> very true. And it's just perfect. It's suddenly like, oh, this is this is significant. Whereas if you if you do all that in like a, a medium wide or a wide shot, then it loses the the physicality behind it. You could say that all of comedy boils down to a pretty basic concept, which is uh, you know, you build tension and then you undercut that tension. You release the tension. And uh you know, that's that's true of any time you see somebody fall down. Like, if you think of somebody slipping on ice and falling on the ground. Now, it's not funny until you realize that they're okay. And it's that buildup where you're like, oh my God, there's danger. No, wait, no, there's not. So if they then you laugh your, your ass head off. open, that's Split your head funny. open, not funny. <laughs> if you saw somebody slip on I the ice know, and man. their brains came out, you'd be like, oh God, and you'd never sleep for the rest of your life. I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, so the same is true for, you know, good comedy. Good comedy builds up a premise. Same as any joke. A joke has a a setup and then a punchline. You know, you're constantly doing building this tension and then you're releasing that tension. And so this movie does that really well. There's all these contrasts where like you set it up as a really nice dinner party and then, uh, you know, there's somebody will choke or somebody will say something inappropriate or you know they they're trying to act cool and then they will scurry over and like uh somebody will slip and fall or they'll you know then there's murder or there's you know there's the scenes where it builds like a a, um you know like a a mysterious tension where they're like searching the house and the lights cut off and it's like you know is this a scary movie and they turn the lights on and he's in the shower and like 
You know, they, it's it's little things like that that make these types of comedies really successful. And again, it's really hard to do well. It's really easy to do just somebody being silly. It's really difficult to set up uh, an environment and a situation and dialogue uh, and character that is all perfectly balanced and playing off of each other um, in a way that it, I mean, just keeps getting better more and more and more. You see, I, I do really like the the fact that they you never really felt like oh so and so hasn't had a line in a while like you just it just felt really mm-hmm. balanced throughout the whole thing. Oh, now we're going to go to. Uh, plum, or now we're going to go to mustard. Now we're going to go to scarlet. Whatever. And everybody had uh, like almost exactly the same amount of FaceTime. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like it was it was really balanced in that. And and you know, I, I know we're going to get there. Maybe we get there now. Uh, the the camera work at the end. I would like to. I would love to have been a, a fly on the wall to see how they did that. Like, you know, in 1985 how they were moving the camera like that and then being so... Because they were basically just moving it with Tim Curry as he's running across the room, going here, and then and then when he stops at this door, the camera stops. And then when he starts running again, the camera starts moving, and then it stops. And then... It, and I, I can't just, tell if it's actually filmed in a big old house or if that's a set. Wow. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a good point. It could be that's a set. Really it could be like, like... Where they just the have cranes is, that are dropped in from... Or, the yeah, room. like two sets. One is like towards the door. The other is when it's turned around and, you you know, towards the, the staircase. I mean, that's why it feels like right. a play. Yeah. Is because mm-hmm. it's all in one location and it's all roughly from the same perspective. Um, like, you, you pretty much could do this as a play, which is what farce typically is. I mean, even for the genre, like I mentioned that, uh, you know, they, they used to make movies like this all the time, and then that fell out of fashion. Well, it never fell out of fashion with theater. They've always been doing farces and plays that are exactly like this. Whodunits, mm-hmm. comedies, comedy whodunits, uh, you know, murder mysteries that are silly and, you know, whatever. All those things have always existed in the theater. It's just extremely rare that anybody makes a movie about it or that it's done well. Yeah. And it's so good because that camera movement really accents the the comedy, the physicality, right? Because suddenly you're still, and then you're whirring across the room, and then you're locked off again. And now you feel like you're moving with Tim Curry instead of just yeah. watching him do yeah. these things. You're doing it with him. And so everything becomes, the pacing, the, the, the frantic nature of it kind of hits home that much more as you're watching a butler uh, buttle, as he likes to say. <laughs> yeah. And it's so amazing um, because, yeah, like you said, I mean, this is 1985. Uh, that's a really – I hadn't really considered whether they did this on a soundstage. That, it feels like a house. Yeah. It might be, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should yeah. do some more, some more research. Before yeah, we'll, do, we'll do look recording. it up. And, uh, the outside of the house feels very much like a set, Yeah, like whenever they go out of yeah. the front door. But maybe it's not. I don't know. So, Wes, what did you not like as a filmmaker about this film? Was there any was there any moment where you're like, oh, there's a lull here, here, or, or I'm just a little like like bored, or that line didn't hit right, or yeah, I will say, I mean, there's there's a few moments I think here and there where, I guess, being an avid film guy, I'm so up to date on things that you go back and you watch something a little dated. I mean, this isn't. 50s data where you know you're just in locked off shots every single scene, but. There are moments where I just want a little bit more comedy, I guess. But 
I still respect it because they they don't do the whole sitcom thing of three jokes a page. Right. Right. Because that's exhausting. And then you start forcing in jokes that don't belong there. Mm-hmm. And that can be exhausting in its own. Like, oh, God, can we get back to a story? What is everybody doing? What does everybody want? What's happened? Um, and so I, I appreciate that they really only went to the jokes when it was natural and when it, when it felt right instead of just forcing every single thing in there. And that way you get to introduce new characters, right? Um, and you get to build these moments of tension back up because that's the other thing. Like you said, comedy is great at undercutting tension. Mm-hmm. And if you never allow that tension to, to surface, we talked about that uh, in a past episode where comedy in serious movies can play so well because our body has this need for a safety valve, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let me release this pressure somewhere. And that's why even a, a mediocre joke can get a little bit more of a laugh because you've built up this tension. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know that there's anything that I would change. I think that would be my, my bigger question. There are moments where I feel the lull, but I'm also anticipating, I guess, what comes next. I mean, there's there are so many things, though, that underscore the comedy right you not only the the pacing but the music does a really great job Mm -hmm. of taking its time and then once it gets there at the end it's doing what other movies do and it's terrible it's it's mickey mousing it right every single moment becomes a strike a piano a chord and it's just over the top and so it just creates that extra layer of ridiculousness that you're putting on top of that same organic situation that we talked about. Fancy house, fancy people, ridiculous music, ridiculous people acting serious. What works to me about that part is that it's it's necessary for him to explain to the audience, you know, what what the solution to the the puzzle is. But it's so wordy. Like he ha- it is all dialogue and he has to sit there and explain it. And so everything else it within that, so all of the, the the movement, the blocking, and you know any of the physicality to it, including the music and the, the smash cutting and all that stuff, is all done to make that like to to buoy like a lot of heavy dialogue. Yeah, and I think it works. Absolutely, no, de- definitely, absolutely. You have them scurrying from one room to another. And there's this one shot that I really enjoyed. I don't think they went to it too many times, which is also. I think less is always more, right? If you have one good idea, unless it's just the most amazing idea ever, don't do it more than once. Or if it's the most mediocre idea, okay, do it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you get exhausted and find it funny, you know, 10 minutes later. But they did a frame in a frame. So anytime you're, let's say you're in the study um, and you shoot a window, and then, but what you're actually looking at is outside the window that window is now a composition within your composition. Mm-hmm. And they do this uh, at least once. I could, I didn't, didn't take notes on that specifically, but they have this shot where you're in a study and you're looking out the door and you can hear them scurrying by and you only see them for a brief moment. <laughs> but now you're tuned into this audio and the, and the visual and it's just hilarious. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all these things, all these little punches. It's like combos Punches and bunches. They know how to keep changing it, changing angle, changing the point of view, changing the punchline. It's all playing together seamlessly. Mm-hmm. So, whenever you're watching this, Joe, mm-hmm. are you 
do you find comedic inspiration as a comedian? You write so many jokes. Um, Do you have a method? Let me ask you that. Dan Harmon has his little, his little circle. Um, I wish I could write a script this good. Um, The part, and so I haven't written a lot of scripts or anything like that. Candy, uh, there think, it is. Candyland. Candy. I think they are actually making a Candyland. The they're currently making a Candyland. They the should movie? make. Are you kidding? I feel like the the equivalent totally of this would be out. like, you know, Shoots and Ladders, the movie, where yeah. it's like, what can Get you even it, say about Shoots and Ladders? But I, I mean, there's probably a way to do it. Of course. I mean, they made a Lego movie and it was amazing. I, I'll always come back to Lego Movie as being probably the most delightful surprise of a movie I've ever seen. Oh, it's so good. Um. And it's not just good. It's that I went into it expecting nothing, expecting it to be a two-hour commercials for commercial for a toy, and it was. And yet it was excellent. <laughs> it made you want to go buy some so Legos good. afterwards. Um, yeah, this thing it was not a commercial for the board game at all, but it kind of was. And I don't know. It was just it was super fun. Uh, as far as the process or the inspiration, yeah, absolutely. Um, to me, this inspires me to be more clever as opposed to, I don't know, silly or whatever, dirty or, uh, you know, whatever the, the kind of the low-hanging fruit of comedy is. Right. right. And it's uh, amazing just because they, they're not afraid of silly. They right. do they're some of the most of... obvious. They open the movie on the most obvious joke in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He steps in dog poo. Yep. And nobody addresses it. What they do is smell it. Yeah. Every now and then and somebody it. will go. That's the whole joke. <laughs> <laughs> he spends a whole movie smelling like dog shit. It's so good. And they also have the boob joke, right? You yeah. Know, you have the maid who's in her sexy little maid outfit, her boobs outrageously out there. And everybody in the movie at one point or another stares at her boobs and just kind of acknowledges it up until Mrs. White finally her head explodes, right? And that was the, the sound bite that we heard. Yeah. Flames on the side of my face. Heaving? Breasts? <laughs> but it's subtle throughout the whole movie, but it's also a silly joke. She, uh, by the way, that's Colleen Camp, who uh, I, I had to go like look it up, I think, at one point, because I'm like, who even is that? And it's Colleen Camp, who is... I don't imagine her name is very well recognized, but she's been in a ton of things. Like, if you've seen uh, Observe and Report, yes. uh, she was the mom yeah. in Observe and Report. Yeah, Holy that just blew your mind. Holy crap, that did just blow my mind. She's in Valley Girl. She's in, she's in a lot of stuff, and she has never looked like that. That's <laughs> right. the part of it. I was like, I don't even recognize Movie magic, it man. It is movie. <laughs> Those, I mean, but yeah. Those things. It's just makeup. You, you think that's all it is? No. She, no. <laughs> so whenever but, you're, uh, when you're writing, do you find subtlety ever creeps into your style of humor? Oh, 100%. I think, uh, you know, this is a, a, a line I always try to, to walk in comedy is that uh, you can make the dirtiest joke you want if you use innuendo. Like, you can avoid just blurting out a bunch of dirty words you can make the same joke just in a sideways fashion like you can hint at it you can make somebody else get there on their own without you having to be the creep that yeah don't give it all away yeah yeah exactly and i mean that's what innuendo is and that's uh that's one thing this movie does really well where he's like i was uh, going to expose you yeah please madam there ladies (laughs) present (laughs) I was going to expose myself. Yeah, 
Uh, that ending. Holy Moses. That ending is so good. It's fast Because they do two things. They do two things really, really well there. Um, they kind of drop the charade, and one of the guys is, you know, revealed that he's not actually pretending to be uh, gay, and that he is, uh, in fact, uh, working for the FBI the whole time, and he ends it by saying, like, well, you know, we're... You know, hey, oh, I come forgot back. that he had said that he was gay. Yeah, he said he was end, gay, and, and that then, was what they were blackmailing him on because it's the fifties. That's right. And he's just like, that I'm gonna go name. home and sleep with my wife. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and then does that. But it doesn't end there, which is one of the amazing things it does. So yes, it's it's extremely good about you know hitting that last punch, and it kicks into some upbeat, you know. Uh, you know, rock and roll number and all this stuff. And it's just got the best punch, I think, of any movie. The best ending. Um, and that line and still and gets quoted. Frame oh, it's so good. End. Yeah, freeze frame, everything. That was great. But it does alternate endings, yeah. which at the time when it came out was actually something they would do in the theaters. So you would go see it in the theater and they would only show you one ending. And you'd have to go back and it would show a different ending in a different theater, a different night, different city, whatever. And so they would alternate the Why endings. Why don't they the th- do that now? Dude. It, oh, my God. so much easier yeah. today to do it, too. Again, this movie is amazing. It's ahead of its time. It's also a throwback. Like, it's perfectly written. And so when you watch it now, they show you all of the different, uh, you know, endings that, um, that, that happen and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, just wrap your head around that in the... You know, back and it wasn't even social media where anybody could be like, "Hey, you guys should go see it again because it might be a different ending." Yeah, they just had to do word of mouth, like that. Why has that why haven't they do, that blows my mind? Why haven't they done that now? It's probably like that, expensive. Well, I mean, so they spend one hundred and fifty million dollars making these movies. You can spend another fifty million and and do something like that. I mean, that you're talking about like. Getting a that would in this day and age something like viral, that would go viral it, and yeah. it'd be crazy. People like this guy Wesley across across from me who goes and sees movies the same movie like seven times. How many how many times did you see Inception in the theater? Inception once. Interstellar. No, that's what I'm sorry. Interstellar. <laughs> Interstellar. I have seen Interstellar, but that's the only place I've ever watched Interstellar. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was the same ending every single time. <laughs> Imagine if it wasn't. You might, you probably have seen it 15 times. There's or a good chance. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so going back to the ending, mm-hmm. what other endings are there? Because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Oh, Mrs. White. There's one where no, there's one where it was Mrs. Peacock. That's and, yeah, yeah, right. There's one Miss Peacock does it because. Well, whatever. They all have a motive, but she's the one that did it. And it all ends up being about who stole the gun from the cabinet. So Miss Peacock did it and won, and then she's caught outside. Um, Which is also a weird ending where he's like the Jehovah's Witness. and he's, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's that one. There's the one where the butler did it. Which is the best, right? That That's one's really good. So good. Because it's so cliche, That's what makes it amazing. Yep. The butler did it, yeah. Yep, the butler did it, and then there's the one where they all did it. And they all killed somebody while they were there, uh, except for Mr. Green, and that's the end where he shoots Wadworth, Wadsworth, right. the butler. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you're wondering who killed Mr. Body, I did, in the hall, with the revolver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add to, to convince everybody? Oh, to man. It's so good. And you don't, all need, 12 people. you don't even really need a full commitment to it. It's not the kind of thing where you have to uh, you know, plan your whole evening around it. Uh, it is something where I feel like you can watch it uh, over and over and over again and devote your whole life to it. But at the same time, you could also just kind of throw it on some night where you don't need something heavy or something you really need to like watch carefully or you don't have to be fully invested in anything that they're doing. If you are, you catch a lot more. But if you don't, that's fine too. Because there are, there are chunks of that movie that stand on their own. So, I mean, definitely see it because it's about the most fun movie. And I keep mentioning a Lego movie. It's, it's I feel like, on that same level. They're cool. Where it's just a fun experience and you don't need to like yeah you don't have to have any prior you don't need to know what the board game's about you don't need to know who any of the actors are you don't need any of that stuff it is just super fun to watch so notes would be watch this film watch it for the acting watch it for the pacing Mm -hmm. watch it for uh um, script the script uh watch it for the camera movements um uh and and just and the ending Oh, yeah, right, so good. That's I mean, that's that's saying a lot about a film. It really is. Nineteen eighty-five or what year? Was yeah, it? Uh, yeah. I think it's eighty-five. And what's great when you just said camera movement, it reminded me of the scene where I can't remember everyone's name, but mm-hmm. there's a confrontation in the kitchen after the cook has been killed, and the camera goes from this two shot suddenly to these single shots. You're going one on one, and it's suddenly one. The man is looking down on the woman because she's suspect, and now he's in charge. And the moment she's like, no, you're an idiot. There's no way I did this because I was with you at the time when she got killed. He's like, oh, yeah. And they cut straight back. It's a two shot because now she's off the hot seat. And so I think there's all these little moments in the movie that you can explore uh, for these grammatic visual languages that, that they're just using expertly. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so what is your recommendation for the week, Todd? Uh, I'm going to recommend food. Chili and spaghetti, which we had earlier tonight, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> you introduced me to this. Uh, I know. Better I know. known as Cincinnati chili. Cincinnati chili. Uh, it's 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 literally it's just chili on spaghetti. And every time I tell people about that, they're like, "Wait, what? This isn't a normal spaghetti it's, noodle that we had tonight, though." No, no. Normally, it's just regular spaghetti, yeah. but we didn't just didn't have regular spaghetti. We only had the spirals, but okay. just regular spaghetti mm-hmm. with chili. Uh, you can have beans if you want. It is deceptively do gross beans. and delicious at the same time. Yes, it's, it's a little bit like bachelor chow. It, it, it's just well, like, yeah, but it's also it also fed my family of four, and everybody liked it. Oh yeah, <laughs> it it's great. great. So it's, like you introduced me to it, and then my brother ended up. Uh, he went to the University of Dayton, and when I went up there to visit him, I mean, obviously it's known as Cincinnati Chili, and we went to. Uh, I mean, they serve it there. There's a chain of restaurants called Highline or Skyline Skyline so Skyline Chili is the thing and that's kind of the place where you get it but the difference is real Cincinnati Chili makes their chili with cinnamon and chocolate right and it is the weirdest thing I've ever eaten (laughs) it is cinnamon chocolate chocolate chili on top of spaghetti with like shredded yellow American cheese (laughs) so I yeah I'll let me just say how about you just start with the chili only, <laughs> and then if you like that, graduate to the other garbage. 
that you can put in there. <laughs> but if you just start, like, just got, if you're in college, throw some noodles in a pot and then heat up some chili and throw that stuff together. A and can it's fantastic. Can Add a little friend. salt and pepper and you're done. That's it. <laughs> Such a can of chili. That's that is quite the recommendation. I mean, in a know, food town like this, I know you're going with a can of chili. I'm not, I never said I'm a foodie. I'm not. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but you're going to go ahead to eat. You're going to go plant your flag <laughs> in this. Yeah. This is your recommendation. Yeah. Well, you know, I love it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> Mine is not quite so strange. I'm going to recommend Burn After Reading. I feel like that. That's a that's nice. A modern day echo. Not quite on the same level in style, but. I like that the Coen brothers really appreciate drier humor. And I think Burn After Reading has a little bit more physicality than maybe some of, maybe not some of all of their other movies. But uh, if you start talking Raising Arizona, I mean, yeah. that's yeah. all physical comedy. Um, Fargo. Yeah. But Burn After Reading, I think, is an excellent movie to kind of chase Clue. Um, it's good. Yeah. Like it. You want to recommend anything, Joe? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend Cold Town Theater uh, in Austin, Texas. I like it. Uh, get out this week. Go see some live comedy. God, they're doing great things over there. So, yeah, absolutely. Go check out Cold Town. Are you, are you performing anytime soon? Uh, I mean, not at Cold Town, uh, but... Um, Okay. I uh, oh, that's uh, my rides here. They're telling me that I can't talk about the stuff that I'm about to do. Um, I'll be doing some shows with Master Pancake coming up. I don't know what they are yet. Okay, we'll uh, link it on the website. Yeah, yeah. yeah Where can absolutely. they go see it? Can you say it? Is there a website? You say it on. Uh, just, I mean, DraftHouse.com is going to have all that stuff, and okay. then uh, Pancake has a has a Facebook page. But awesome. Yeah, see. and we'll link it, link to it on the site. You mm-hmm. can find it in the show notes. The slash clue and next week we are going to be reviewing the dark tower oh yeah i can't wait oh my god i read all those books so i'm super excited to watch the film idris elba is the smoothest human on the planet at the moment pretty much um don't forget to subscribe and review us on itunes and leave us a note saying what you would like to talk about Um, if there's a movie you want us to cover that's coming up or something dated like clue yeah <laughs> thank you for that recommendation joe oh awesome. good see yeah I'd... we enjoyed it yeah it was great and thank you for coming on the show yeah my, my pleasure awesome. I'll, I'll do another one that's a much more modern movie <laughs> oh no it's okay yeah, modern whatever. like the great train robbery what like, are we talking about? <laughs> 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 all right uh we'll leave you with a quote of the day uh this one's by john landis uh what no one understands ideas are a dime a dozen An idea has no real value. It's all about the execution of the idea. Nice one. Awesome. Which I didn't execute. Poorly executed. All right, hold on. Let me do that again. Let me do it again. Okay, okay. I liked it. All right. All right, and we're going to leave you with a quote of the day. Uh, This one's by John Landis. What no one understands, ideas are a dime a dozen. And ideas have no real value. It's all about the execution of the idea. That's awesome. You screwed it up the second time. I'm leaving both of these what? in. What did, he, what did he screw <laughs> up? You, you pluralize ideas. And ideas when and no ideas one, is the worst English. Your wife would be and horrified. Ide- I said and ideas. And ideas it's, have, and it's, have that's not no what it says. real value. It's an idea. I know, but I just, I pluralized it and it was accurate English. Well, then it's not a quote. All right, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> Your ride can wait.
Your mother ride can wait. All right. And we'll leave you with a quote of the day by John Landis. What no one understands, ideas are a dime a dozen. An idea has no real value. It's all about the execution of the idea. Yay! Yeah, that's a good one. I executed that fantastic. And I yeah, John and I couldn't agree more. John I got Landis, a lot of ideas. John Landis was a, gave, had a story credit, he and one other gentleman. So he contributed to this film, which mm-hmm. I thought was appropriate. The like, Him and Jonathan Lynn. Jonathan Lynn, the director, uh, also directed and wrote uh, My Cousin Vinny. Whoa. No case, way. Uh, yeah, like... They really got to get on that Transformers train. <laughs> Just got to save it. Got to save it. Something. Appreciate everybody. Thanks, Joe, for showing Thank up. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. This Thanks is, for listening. This is Wes. And Todd. Go watch the movies.